Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to episode four of the second series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. The top trend in the Deloitte Human Capital Trends Report for 2019 is the need for organizations to change the way people learn. The report highlighted three broad trends in how learning is evolving. It is becoming more integrated with work, it is becoming more personal, and it is shifting slowly towards lifelong models. Our guest this week is Catalina Sheveninga, Global Head of Learning at Vodafone, and we're going to look at this new world of learning. In our podcast, Catalina and I discuss the evolution of corporate learning at Vodafone, the role of personalization in learning, and the challenges that need to be overcome in this area, the links between learning and organizational effectiveness, as well as how learning can support strategies around skills for the future. And we also look into the crystal ball and ponder what the role of HR will be in 2025. This episode is a must listen for anyone interested in learning, either working in corporate learning or actually interested in learning themselves, the personalization of HR and the shift towards continuous and lifelong learning. Before we get started, a brief word from our sponsor for series two of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ClickIQ. ClickIQ is an automated job advertising platform that uses the latest artificial intelligence and programmatic technology to manage, track, and optimize the performance of your recruitment advertising in real time. Spend is focused where it's needed most to reach both active and passive job seekers across Indeed, Google, Facebook, and extensive network of job boards. To find out more about ClickIQ, please visit clickiq.co.uk. Welcome to the Digital HR Leader Show, Catalina. It's great to have you here. Would you like to give listeners a quick introduction to yourself and maybe your vision of HR? Sure. Thank you for having me, uh, David. I hear it's been a, a long day with a lot of great content and a lot of great speakers. Um, I'll do my part, hopefully. Um, a bit of background. I'm actually a trained journalist and I bumped into HR 20 years ago and decided to hang around. Um, <laughs> I think I, I cut my teeth in, uh, in HR in GE uh, for about 10 years. Then after I built uh, quite a decent skill set in terms of running both COEs and uh, as an HR journalist, I decided to join the telcos. I'm now seven years in telcos with the last five years having spent in, uh, in Vodafone. And currently I lead uh, learning capabilities at Vodafone here in the uh, UK with a global remit. And obviously there's been a huge change happening in, in, in the learning space. You know, what are some of the key trends that, that you're seeing and, and trying to apply within Vodafone? We're seeing, uh, we're seeing a couple of very interesting trends. Uh, I think the one that I'm excited about is that we finally got a grip of skills. Um, so if you look at skills and capabilities, a bit of the skills of today, but mainly the skills of tomorrow, you know, what the digital world is, is, is bringing in terms of the, the capabilities agenda is very exciting. And in learning, we've done a lot of work already on customizing a learner's experience um, and catering to that skill set and the ability to upskill ourselves and reskill. So you see a lot of recommendations driven by skills. You see a lot of skill assessment and skill profiling in industry, things that we also uh, we also work with in Vodafone. Most recently, you see a lot of uh, interesting accreditation and certification. It's back again. It used to be back in the days. Now it's, it's hot again. 
So we are uh, we're working as well with veggies, uh, and also most recently we are uh, we're testing veggies in uh, in blockchain. So again, a lot of exciting things on the skill side. I think the other trend that we're seeing in uh, in learning or trying to harness is how can you get people to build a new habit to learn a lot yeah. and to do that in the flow of work to do it every day um, seamlessly. Um, so what we're seeing is uh, tools like, for example, the Microsoft Suite Teams allow learners to get in and out productivity and learning seamlessly. Uh, and that's something, again, we, we believe we're onto something. Uh, as I said, I think we need to do a better job in building that habit, um, you know, flexing that muscle in terms of getting people to, to learn, not just on a specific moment in time, not just necessarily to dedicate time, but to do it, um, to do it throughout the day. Throughout the day, yeah. and and I guess it, that one of the big trends is around personalization, and I know that's something that you've been working on specifically at Vodafone. Um, so, looking at the role of Vodafone, and obviously, I know you inherited something as well that had already started. What, what's been the sort of journey of Vodafone uh, around how you've changed learning and development there? No, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm still a novice. I think to use my own uh, skill framework uh, methodology, I'm a level one going to level two practitioner. And as you said, I was lucky that my predecessor, Jamie Tate, had already built a state-of-the-art uh, learning university layer. Um, but I think what we've done this year, we, we refreshed the thinking around learning and, and thought, okay, you know, going back to the world of skills, um, we did a lot of work on uh, refreshing the, uh, the skills framework to reflect especially digital skills, and also to start building this culture. So, okay, once you have the platform and the great content, we said it's not about consumption of content, it's around driving the right behavior. So building a narrative around leadership and the importance of learning, uh, talking, you know, using the hashtag learn a lot in every single narrative from a leadership uh, perspective, from, um, you know, every day's uh, learner. If you look at, we run a lot of campaigns. I think, again, a lot of great fundamentals are there already. So we have a platform, we have great content, and now it's all around communication and getting getting people to, to build a habit. And also getting people to understand um, how they can uh, how they can understand what their skills are, what the gaps are, and what um, content or resources are available to to address those gaps. And and typically, learning used to be focused around around curation and 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 creation of content. We said, wait a minute, we have so much content. It's not about that. It's about focus learning. It's about guiding uh, people on what learning is suitable for their skills. And getting them to understand what skills they need today or tomorrow, whether they move in an agile tribe or whether they want to be uh, promoted, you know, change careers, which is which is something that we're seeing uh, as a trend right now. And in terms of actually sort of doing this, obviously, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've you've come across? In... I think I'll, I'll be talking about this uh, tomorrow at Unleash. Um, there's a lot of hype around the personalization of learning, but really uh, the level of personalization right now, it's pretty superficial. If you look at the types of personalization we're using, obviously uh, learning path that, that it's matched to your skills, that's, that's pretty straightforward to do. There's technology who does that, we, we implement it already. And there's another uh, personalization which is more around uh, social filtering, a la Netflix. Yeah, you, David is reading this, so maybe you might like to read that. I think we like to go a, a level deeper and understand how people learn. So understand the science of learning, 
and and understand uh, also capture all the learning that's happening outside of the 10%, right? If you look at the 70, 20, 10, we capture a lot of personalization of the 10%, but do we really know what people learn from each other, from coaches, from their boss, from daily projects? And that's, I think, the second uh, level, um, the meaningful personalization that we're looking at. I don't think there is a silver bullet uh, for this. I don't, I don't believe that there's any piece of tech that kind of nailed it. But I think we are on to something. Uh, and this is something that I'm going to share tomorrow at Unleash. We've got a couple of Bryce Parks in Vodafone and another uh, friend company, uh, um, IBM, to look into, is there, is there an algorithm? Is there a way to capture all that uh, knowledge from where people learn, who they learn from, and start nudging to, to increase, to, 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 to grow this uh, learning habit? Yeah. So again, more more on this. Watch this space. Uh, again, I think personalization is great, and there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting things happening. But it's at a very superficial level for now. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds very exciting, and you know, anything that involves nudges obviously gets everyone excited at the moment. What's been some of the feedback from from employees at, at Vodafone around some of the changes that have taken place? I think the, the feedback's positive. I think uh, what you're seeing is that. Um, there is a lot of great content that we make available right now and that's, that is well received. The other feedback is it's overwhelming. It's too much. And even when you filter and you make personalized learning, but it's still too much. So I think we, we heard from, uh, from learners in our uh, design thinking sessions, can you make it even more personal? Can you listen to me more? Um, and the second one, I think it's the no how to, how to uh, access the knowledge base. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot of knowledge in the organization, in the heads and the desktops of experts, for example. And how do we harness that knowledge? And how do we bring it to life and share it with others in a in a, an engaging way, in a simple way? And that's that's been the con uh, the consistent feedback. We've become much more data driven, and that will be music to your ears. Uh, <laughs> it's a massive learning curve for the function uh, now. That my learning team is looking into what is data, what is Google Analytics telling us about the user behavior. And we started uh, step by step, for example, killing lots of content that's not being used or not being searched. We're starting looking at what people search for. So a lot of our um, roadmap is, uh, is driven by the insights that we get from, from, from data. And again, as I said, it, we feel uncomfortable. We're not experts, but we're learning how to, to listen to the data and, and, and inform our decisions more than probably what we used to do in the past. Yeah. And you mentioned design thinking, so you're actually working with employees to kind of design some of the learning experiences. Yeah, even previously, uh, our Vodafone University, which is really a, a learning experience layer built on SharePoint, has been designed with the user feedback. We had ideation sessions, we had uh, design thinking sessions uh, held by a couple of UX and UI designers in-house, and we continuously uh, iterated that platform. So it looks today different than you know it looked two years ago when, when we launched it. And the journey has been always you know continuous listening, get them back in the lab, get feedback, uh, do quick surveys, and and learn from the learners. Uh, in an ideal world, they will start owning it totally and they will actually contribute with, with content. For now, it's still a learning platform. But what we're trying to do is to get more traffic towards towards it and in, integrate also external uh, content because you and I and others also learn from Twitter, learn from LinkedIn, learn from other sources, from other MOOCs that we might not have in-house right now. So yeah, that's, 
Yeah, so combining the best internal with what, what's available external as well, putting all that in one area so people can access. Exactly. Yeah. And while well, we did that, we realised that there's a lot we don't know about where people learn and what they learn, right? So the more traffic we get, the more we give them the access to all other con- sources of content, the more we will learn and it will inform our uh, our content roadmap and also... Um, you know, uh, everything we're doing in terms of, um, you know, new skills that we want to launch, campaigns and so forth. So again, very data-driven uh, um, design and also a lot of listening to to what learners are, are telling us. So maybe it might be helpful because we've talked about technology throughout so far. I mean, you can summarise some of the technologies that you've been using to support the kind of shift in learning that would that be helpful, I think. Sure. I think what what is the role of the technology we're using? A is understanding um, the learners' behaviors. And for example, we use Google Analytics to look at what people search, at what moments of the day they search, what type of content they consume, what size of content, and so forth. So again, very basic. Google Analytics, I think, is a free platform, um, and it's fully integrated with our SharePoint site. Uh, another um, another um, cool piece of technology that we've kind of stumbled on uh, a couple of months ago uh, out of our uh, Italian operation is an aggregator of external content. Um, so it's kind of a simple algorithm that pulls uh, lots of great content that's out there, be it from TED, from YouTube, or from uh, from MOOCs. And again, uh, we found out that. Um, about 40% of all the sources of content are outside of our platform, so why not bring them in-house? We also learn from the likes of Coursera and, and Udemy that we have a lot of uh, learners at Vodafone who actually privately go and, and, uh, and, uh, and consume um, uh, learning from these platforms. So these are two of the, of the platforms that we've integrated recently. And in addition to that, as I said, we are now working on an MVP to... Uh, to also nudge learners with reminding them, um, you know, what they learned a couple of months, uh, a couple of weeks ago, what other learners are doing, and create uh, more opportunities for um, for social learning. And that's again, that's something that is uh, right now work in progress. Okay, well, might have to, might have, to have you back on the show yeah. so you can tell us more about that in a few months' time. Though. Sure. Um, I've seen a lot, quite a lot of organisations start to link learning to culture and organisational effectiveness. I mean, is that something that you're that you're doing or planning to do at Vodafone? Yeah, if you look at culture transformation, I think everybody's going through a digital transformation or a culture transformation of sorts. And in reality, you can't separate the what and the how. So if my team in learning are working a lot on the what, on what are the core skills that power digital Vodafone, you, there are also leadership shifts that um, uh, that are out there that will enable this digital transformation. We we call them, you know, we, we have kind of phrased five massive shifts and one of them is we want our leaders to to be more learn-a-lots versus uh, know-a-lots. Yeah. There's another shift where we're asking people to be much more externally focused and internally focused. All of these shifts obviously will be enabled and in, informed by the learning interventions that we're doing. So again, we, we, we can't work in isolation. I work very closely with, uh, with Dilam who runs uh, leadership development and all the interventions at the both at the top level at the organization, but also in you know all the campaigns we do for all the learners, kind of blend the two, right? So I think blending uh, blending the what and the how uh, is is really important in the context of digital transformation. So what's next? Uh, if you look at the, the the journey of Vodafone moving forward, um, starting to see how 
potentially you can link that to the skills of the future that you need at Vodafone and you can start to understand what are those skills we need, how can we infer if people maybe have those skills or, or, or could acquire those skills quite easily and actually linking that to the kind of workforce planning thing. Is that something that you're also looking at at Vodafone? And if so, where are you on that journey? This is this is definitely work in progress. Uh, if you look to, you know, in my old days when I was HR director, workforce planning was was an Excel exercise that was very much based on volume and the right-sizing of the organization based on revenue growth plans, uh, whatnot. Whereas now, if you think about how you right-size the organization and what you hire against, it should all be driven by skills. And we learned that uh, in the last couple of years when we started both building and buying the new skills, that, again, the two go in hand in hand. Uh, so I think we have a couple of um, pilots in technology where we go full-blown workforce planning, uh, especially around IT skills, but not only uh, driven by the insights we're getting in the skill assessments. We've done some work with Gardner already two years back, two years back, and we'll continue to uh, to build on that. So early on, uh, but I definitely think that the future is workforce planning is powered by skills. And, and, and also, um, a lot of work is being done right now on the skills of the future, but the reality is not, nobody has the silver ball. We don't know what the skills of the future are. We can only look a year or two in a, uh, ahead of time. And I guess it's all about testing different scenarios and then ruling them out as, you know, as the future starts to unfurl. Exactly. And hopefully there will be also a piece of technology uh, coming to us that will be able to predict the skills of the future and the gaps in the organization. So if you hear anything about that, let me know. We'll let you know. <laughs> um, and maybe obviously you, you, you're pre previous to the role now as Global Head of Learning. You actually would, did a similar role, Global Head, I think, of employer brand and talent acquisition. You know, are you starting to look at things like people's learning agility now when you're actually hiring people in? Because obviously people are having to learn more on the job as you sit now in the flow of work. Are you looking at things like learning agility, for example? In the I, th I think traditionally uh, Vodafone's always looked at a definition of potential at people who have um, uh, high learning agility, and there's obviously lots of psychometric tests on that. So, so definitely that's 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 one of them. It's interesting the shift that I see even from you know five years ago when I joined uh, talent acquisition in uh, in Vodafone, we're starting to be much more serious about skill assessment versus we were much more around personality and cultural fit. So I think that's a shift in talent acquisition that's obviously directly linked with uh, with learning. And we all know that the, harsh, the the new skills are in demand, right? So it's about time we get very serious around, you know, assessing experts. I think in the past, you know, in my past, we used to kind of trust people based on a CV that they really know how to code or they really good yeah. at big data. I think those times are gone. And right now, talent acquisition is looking in more robust ways to actually test the, that knowledge and that level of skills at the gate. Uh, so that you know what the baseline is and how we can uh, help people develop further or how to fill in the skill gaps that you have in the organization. So that's that's a shift I see in, uh, in the talent acquisition space. Which is a good shift, I think. So, yeah. so actually, this is a question that I think you know, be interesting. You're a global head of learning. How do you learn yourself? Well, um, I was actually reflecting on my ways of learning the other day um, uh, in the context of uh, lots of social media activity and the, the, the decreased level of focus that we all have because we're bombarding so much information. So I'm guilty as charged. I spent way, maybe way too much on, on social media. Um, 
mainly to learn. I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of knowledge and insights from my peers, from from thought leaders. Um, I uh, I uh, I get lots of great um, articles. I love your blog on you know when you curate uh, the best articles around people analytics on LinkedIn and so forth. Checks in the that's, post. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that's that's my way of learning. I also go very deep. I'm I'm passionate uh, these days about neuroscience. So I feel like uh, it's a new space for me. Although I'm I kind of know psychology. I didn't know the brain science bit. So I'm going a bit deeper and doing a couple of uh, micro learnings and micro degrees with different books. So I can kind of go superficially across checking what's what's hot and what's new in the market on social media. Um, and then going deeper and doing a lot of self-study around, you know, uh, subjects that I'm passionate, uh, passionate about. So I think I found my vocation. Uh, I, you know, a year ago when I, I moved into learning, I was a bit reluctant uh, as a novice. But I think uh, it's, uh, it's a very, very exciting time to be in, uh, in learning as everybody's shaping a learning culture. Well, I think sometimes you have to challenge yourself to do something new. And obviously you were very well respected in your previous role as one of the sort of leading uh, thought leaders, I guess, around talent acquisition in a large organisation. So sounds like you're doing the same in the learning space now. Yeah, and I'm obviously I'm practicing what I preach, right? Uh, kind of getting a stretch assignment and moving into an area where I knew uh, almost nothing about. So a year <laughs> later, as I said, you know, level one moving to level two. So well, I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you're being a bit too modest there. Um, so if we if we, this is a question that we're asking all our guests on the show, actually. So where do you see HR in 2025? The role of HR will be in 2025. You can have fun with this. Uh, it's, it's a bit <laughs> scary, right? Because 2025 is around the corner. And um, I think HR will will still be around. Uh, there is a recent study by the Vodafone Institute, which is a think tank. And they said that uh, there are five professions and core skills that will be still around and one of them is HR next That's to... good to hear. Exactly. <laughs> um, because, there, you know, there will still be a need for empathy. There will be a need for people to get um, career counselling, to uh, a need to be employee advocates and to go back to our basics, to the basics of our core function. And hopefully with the, um, with the rise of AI and, uh, and automation, all the clutter will be taken away from us and we'll have more time and and and, uh, and 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 space to to do all that good stuff, right? So again, I think we'll still be here doing podcasts, maybe in a different, you know, with different type of technology, talking about the role of HR uh, going forward in uh, twenty thirty. So you see it as a as the technology being an opportunity for HR rather than a threat. Definitely, um, I think I think we got over this. Oh, you know, AI and automation are going to come and take our jobs away. I think there will be a lot of administration and non-value-add work that will be going away and therefore will be freed up to do the value-add stuff. And you see that already. Um, mm. uh, there's a lot of work in shared services that's been automated. You see the uh, increase of the quality of the conversations people have both in HR and other call centers just because they have more time uh, to do more research, to listen to internal external customers, to be more empathetic. So uh, I think definitely. But uh, Let's see, let's meet again in 2025 and uh, see whether we were right. <laughs> well, we'll find out. <laughs> Catalina, thank you very much for being on the show. If people want to follow you on social media and, and, and elsewhere, how can they do that? Sure, you um, can follow me. Uh, my um, Twitter handle is at C. Schweninger, if you can spell that. I know it's a tricky surname. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to connect. Thank you for having me.
It's been a pleasure. Thank you much, Karen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kathleen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe by iTunes or your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on iTunes and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make this podcast. If you haven't already, please do check out myhrfuture.com for the latest news on the future of HR. And you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter there too. That's all for this week, but please make sure you tune in next week when I'll be speaking to Jordan Petman, Global Head of People Data, Analytics and Planning at Nestle. See you next time.